The ideas, procedures, and suggestions contained within this podcast are not intended as a substitute for consulting with a medical professional. All matters regarding your health and fitness require medical consultation and supervision. Welcome to the Warrior Wellness Podcast, a podcast for military members, veterans, and first responders focusing on fitness, health, nutrition, and biohacking. Our mission with this podcast is to introduce America's heroes to lifestyle habits and hacks that will help them live healthier, happier lives, and in turn, be fit enough to continue their support of their communities and country. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Warrior Wellness Podcast. Today I'm interviewing Christopher Salem. He is a CEO, executive coach, corporate trainer, professional speaker, and an author working with companies to create an independent work environment and thriving culture through Growth Mindset Foundation, effective communication, transparent leadership, and higher engagement. He mentors C-suite business leaders, entrepreneurs, and sales professionals to build and protect their brands by raising their level of influence as trusted advisors to maximize their results. His book, Master Your Inner Critic, Resolve the Root Cause, Create Prosperity, went international bestseller in 2016. He also co-authored a recent addition to Mastering the Art of Success with Jack Canfield. His weekly radio show, Sustainable Success, is part of the Voice America Influencers channel, and Chris also is an accomplished business and emotional intelligence strategist, award-winning author, certified mindset expert, radio show host, and media personality and wellness advocate. He's going to be sharing some of his techniques today that he helps work on with his clients. So um, I know this sounds kind of like high uh, C-suite kind of stuff, but this can be used by the everyday Jane and Joe. Um, if, if it comes to uh, you want to um, accomplish some goals and get some things done in your life, these are some strategies that can help you um, get on the right p- path and also move on that path a lot quicker without as much struggle. So I hope you enjoy this interview with Christopher Salem. Well, Christopher, thank you so much for being on the Warrior Wellness Podcast. I really appreciate you being on um, your, when you sent me your information, I was super intrigued because this is, I, me being a licensed mental health professional, obviously it's right up my alley and it's the things that um, I love to work on with my clients in the health and fitness realm because you know, I, I don't care what your goal is, if it's to make a bill, a billion dollars to be the president of the United States or lose 20 pounds, you're using the same strategies to get the mindset of change. So that's kind of your expertise. And I was really excited to, to get you on the podcast to talk about these things. So thanks so much for being on. Stephanie, thank you so much for having me here. It's a pleasure to be here. So your book, uh, Master Your Inner Critic, Resolve the Root Cause, Creating Prosperity, sums up what I think is the number one struggle with the clients we work with at Fireteam Whiskey. 
Um, we only have a short amount of time and we certainly could not possibly cover this topic adequately. And, you know, we could talk about this topic for hours and hours, but um, hopefully people will get your book to get more in depth in some of this, these topics, but, you know, we're going to kind of give a, a general summary and a few tips, but um, can you define what you mean by your inner critic? Yeah, your inner critic is is that that inner voice that you know that silently says that you're not capable of something, not worthy, uh, that you're you know you're not going to measure up, or you're not going to be like others uh, that you know that are you know in terms of status or you know look a certain way, whatever that may mean to you. And again. The reality is, is that this all, the inner critic operates from what we call limiting beliefs. These are th these are beliefs that were established early in our childhood during the development years, and often tied back to our parents, or in this case, it could be particularly one parent. And a lot of times, this could have an impact on us and how it affects our level of confidence and self esteem. And then what this can do is it can impact our our, not only our confidence and self-esteem, but also our ability to make decisions, how we communicate with others, and of course, how we communicate with ourselves and how we take certain risks or not. So again, a lot of people don't realize that this stuff is going on behind the scenes, and yet the inner critic will always continually to talk uh, very subtly to us to convince us that we are not uh, capable of doing certain things. So it operates in the past and the future in what we call a fixed mindset, which is again, what most people operate from not realizing that. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because, you know, our primary audience and the people that we work with are mainly male, you know, so it's military veterans, first responders. And I think um, the immediate reaction of, you know, that, <laughs> that gender is to say, oh no, you know, I don't talk bad about myself, you know, and I don't have an inner critic, um, or even overcompensating a little bit for that, that maybe voice that you think you don't hear, or you claim you don't hear and by being overly confident or kind of machismo or, you know, whatever you want to call it. But, um, everybody has an inner critic. There's not one person on this planet that, that doesn't have a yes. small voice within ourselves um, that, that tells us that we're not worthy or that, you know, we can't, um, you know, achieve this certain goal or, you know, that we're not good enough, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. The key is, is to learn how we can say, you know, we, we can utilize our inner champion more. And again, I'm a firm believer that we can overcome our limiting beliefs. Doesn't mean that, that the inner critic is going to be silenced forever, but nonetheless, that we're not going to be operating from that limiting belief. I kind of, I always like to use cancer as an analogy, right? You can, you can get rid of cancer, but if you don't get it at the root level, that, 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 that core cell that caused the cancer, it's going to come back. It can come back. But if we're able to get it to at the root level, we can then, or, you know, eliminate it, but we can then learn to really trust the process, you know, controlling what we can, letting go of what we can't, and then allowing that to develop our confidence over time with the right habits and disciplines that will then soon to allow us to, you know, go through challenges and embrace them rather than avoid them and learn how to learn from what we can in the moment versus being caught up in the past and the future where fear resides. So fear, fear is often the trigger that will, you know, in this case, 
uh, trigger the, the limited belief from the past to project in the future, which will lead into that cycle that we, that a lot of people operate from. Yeah. And I use the analogy, I'm a big hiker. Um, I, I use the, the hiking analogy. I say to my client, I mean, I must have said this a million times to my clients, you know, stop looking at the top of the mountain. Don't even look up there. It, because if I did that in some of my climbs, I probably would turn around and go right back to the car and get out of there because I know how much pain, how much suffering, how much time, you know, it's going to take to get to the top. And if we keep focusing on, you know, that big goal, whatever it is, we're going to talk ourselves out of it. There's going to be all sorts of inner critics, you know, telling you every reason under the sun, why you should not do it, why you can't do it. Right. And, you know, that's why, you know, over 90% of people, when they make new year's resolutions, they completely fail. As yeah. I think they're just real, they're, they're looking too much at the top of the mountain instead of focusing on the tiny little step you can take in front of there you. you can I step over this one rock? Can I step over this next rock? Keep your head down and just work on forward progress. Right. And then that'll kind of give you some blinders on that, that inner critic and all those reasons why you shouldn't or why you can't. No, you, you just said it so well, Stephanie. It's like, you know, because again, if you are looking at the goal, it's okay to see the vision of where you want to be. Let's say you want to release, you know, a few inches off your waist, 30 pounds, whatever the case may be. It's, it's okay that you can envision where you want to be, but bring mm -hmm. it back into the moment. Like you said, what can I control and what do I know and what I can control right now? And what can I do to maximize that to the best of my ability to be my best, not to be the best, because that's perfectionism. That is actually another thing that will then work against you, but to be my best and, and let everything else go, trust the process in the moment. Because if we can release the, the, the need to be tied to the, out, uh, the expectation to the outcome, which puts us back into the past and the future, again, not focused in the moment and trust the process of controlling what we can, letting go of what we can't. Like you said, one step at a time. Doesn't matter what happened yesterday. Doesn't matter what's going to happen tomorrow or next week. Right? What can I do today? Mm -hmm. And when that's done, I can go to bed, not worry about what happened, what what's going to happen tomorrow. I'll I'll deal with that tomorrow, and just one step at a time. But I think when people project themselves into the into the past and the future, where the fear will thrive, that's why those resolutions go right out the door. Whereas if you replace it with an intention instead of a resolution, that the intention says, I'm making a commitment to do my part, then you're more likely in the moment to do the things you have to do to the best of your ability and allow the things that beyond your control to do its part. And that's where I think where most people, when they can shift their thinking to that, I call that the growth mindset, that's where they're more likely to have better results, may not be exactly what they you know, the exact, like, hey, if it was 30 pounds, but it may, you know, it might end up being 28 pounds. It may be even more, you know, and maybe they exceed the 30 pounds. But again, it's always going to be in that ballpark. You know, they just got to trust that process. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. So you're a public speaker and you're well known for discussing eight pillars of wellness. So since Fireteam Whiskey is a wellness company, I definitely want to spend some time on this. Can you um, describe what you mean by the eight pillars of wellness? What does that mean? 
So there, there are eight pillars of wellness, and I'll go through each one and give a brief explanation for uh, all eight. So first one is social. So social means is what is the relationship with yourself and other people? So again, going back to if you are operating from the inner critic, that relationship with yourself is out of alignment. If we are more operating in the present moment, again, accepting who we are, accepting what our strengths and our weaknesses are and doing what we can to maximize to grow, then we're operating more in, in, in alignment or in harmony. It's never going to be perfect like a, like a seesaw like on its axis. It's always going to teeter. So, and, 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 and our relationships with other people, are they codependent, independent, or interdependent? So codependent, obviously, is when we are in the mode of pleasing and enabling others, or we are aggressive and demanding things, but we don't respect others' rights and responsibilities in the, in the situation. So oftentimes, codependency leads to unhealthy behaviors. Again, communication is based on assumption and speculation. It's not specific and clear. But when we can learn how to be the example in, in loving ourselves first so we can be more for others through that example, we can then start to operate interdependently by being the example and a resource for others to do the same. It doesn't mean they're going to do it right away, but people may you know, learn over time to do the same for themselves. So it's, it's, forming, it's forging interdependent relationships with yourself and others to become, you know, grow in a more healthy way. Emotional well-being is, again, the, you know, looking at our emotional state of being, you know, again, if we are out of alignment, we're operating from lim limiting beliefs. We are operating from negative emotions like anger, shame, guilt, jealousy, envy, or any combination thereof. But when we have the ability now to address the problem at the root cause and develop a process to develop our self-confidence and self-esteem with certain habits and disciplines in the moment that will allow us to grow in the growth mindset, in time, we can start to find more harmony in our emotional well-being. Physical well-being, I mean, it's, it is what it is, right? You know, everything in moderation that we're exercising, we're always having our, our bodies are always moving. Uh, it could be resistance training, cardio. I mean, you would know that much better than I do. And, and in, in the terms of spiritual wellness, that is not only the belief in your higher power, but the belief in yourself. Too many people will put their faith in their higher power and won't believe in themselves or won't even factor themselves into the equation. We have to believe in ourselves to, for our higher power to believe in us and moving forward. So it's like, it's like two, these, two, two entities moving together to find that harmony. Financial wellness is our dialogue with money. You know, is it one of a lack? Is it one of abundance? So if you're in debt or living paycheck to paycheck, there may be certain things that are off with your dialogue with money. Again, limiting beliefs have a profound effect on that particular area, depending upon how we grew up. Mm -hmm. uh, next is intellectual intelligence. Are we nurturing our minds? Just like we go to the gym and we go work out, we do yoga, do all these things for, for our bodies. What are we doing for our minds to stimulate our, our, not only our mindsets through like meditation and journaling, but are we doing trivia? Are we doing puzzles? Certain things that are going to get us to think, not sitting in front of a TV for five hours a day or going through social media notifications for hours at, at end. And then, then there's occupational wellness. It's not what you do, but why do you do what you do? It's the mm -hmm. why that drives the what. If you are just doing what you do, there's no passion. There's no purpose. 
So it's find, either finding the passion of what it is and what, what you do, or maybe perhaps looking for really what the why is, so then you can develop the what behind, you know, after that. And then finally, there's environmental wellness. That is the, again, the environment that you live in, that could be the environment you work in and anywhere in between. So that's usually your home, your vehicle, and or in your workplace. Is it one of clutter or is it one of organization? Now, if it's if it's if it's ultra organized, that that's a sign of perfectionism. That's not good either. But it's again finding that happy medium where you have more organization, so it it, it allows for more clarity in your mind, so you could be more decisive and then take action. You begin to see opportunities disguised in the challenges and setbacks, be able to move through them to, to accomplish and become more. So when we can find alignment with our eight pillars, we're more likely now to have a more sustainable path of operating in the solution that I like to call, trusting the process and operating from a, le a, le a level of higher confidence in our abilities to do more and be the example for others to do the same. So again, you can see how the eight pillars can, can affect you in a positive way and also in a negative way. So if you're emotionally unbalanced or out of alignment, obviously that's gonna affect you physically. That could affect mm -hmm. you financially and it can be vice versa. So I'm a firm believer that, you know, if you're, if you're gonna, you know, if you're looking to release weight, it's not just the exercise. It's gotta, you gotta look at this. What, what would have been the cause for you putting on the weight to begin with? Yes, it could have been, a genetic thing. It could be something medicine you're taking, but oftentimes it's often an emotional thing that someone's going through. Maybe they're not eating right, or again, just certain things that are leading to weight gain. So I always say that if you're going to address a problem, look at the eight pillars as a way to not only get out of the problem, but also to build a pattern of habits and disciplines that will allow you to, to find harmony with them, to have a more, uh, a life of a work life, a life of or work life of harmony rather than out of alignment. Yeah, so exactly. Those are the eight pillars of wellness. I love that, and and I love that last one too. I I never thought about it that way. That's so great. That's a that's a, that's very. Well, good. you know, it's funny. The I, you know, it's funny. I had a doctor one time at one of my my uh, workshops. And I knew who he was and I, and I, and I asked him if, you know, can we, you know, I don't want to put you on the spot, but he goes, no, I want you to use me as the example. And I know people are going to probably think I'm nuts. <laughs> and I said, okay, we're going to pick Dr. So-and-so, which, you know, he gladly volunteered. And he said, he had told us why his life wasn't where he wanted it to be. He had problems with relationships, blah, blah, blah. And I said, we're going to take a little, we're going to take, we're going to go on a little road. We're going to go on a little road trip here. And, and people are like road trip. What do you mean? It's like, it's cold outside. I'm not going to, I said, we're just going to go outside into the parking lot. And we went out to his car and I knew what was going to be in his car. And when I opened up his door, Dunkin' Donut wrappers, <laughs> newspapers, again, this was four or five years ago now. And, you know, I looked at his trunk he had beach wear, you know, again, more Dunkin' Donut wrappers. Why did he have beach stuff back there when it was, it was at the end of November? So again, there was a lot of clutter. And because of that, he was operating his life and his business from a place of clutterness. Mm -hmm. So I'm not saying that people that are messy and, and have a lot of disorganized are not going to be smart or they're not going to be a, successful in their businesses. You very well can be, but oftentimes there's going to be a disruption somewhere in your life 
in terms of what, where, where things are not moving, it's energy. So we have to, we, we have to purge things to create a better flow of energy and, and be able to get rid of the things that don't serve you or don't serve any purpose. Yeah. So environmental, you know, wellness is, is, is an important component that oftentimes people take for granted or don't even consider. Yeah. And I, and I, what I wanted to do with you is um, just do a quick, like practical application of each, how each of these pillars can be kind of cleaned yeah. up, you know, yeah. how they, each of these pillars can be worked on. Like you said, any goal, it doesn't matter what it is. If you have a specific thing in your life that you want to correct or, or achieve, then you need to be looking at all eight of these things in regards to, to that specific goal. So let's just, because we're fire team whiskey, let's just use the example, you know, I'm a military veteran. I, you know, got out of the military, I've put on 60 pounds and this has really been bothering me. It seems like every year I've been trying to get it off. I'll lose a few pounds and then I just kind of lose my willpower and just go right back to the same old, same old. So let's use that example of how, you know, this person could start working on and identifying some areas in these pillars to work on. So first social, what are some possible things that would, you know, affect that a person who has 60 pounds to lose would need to work on socially? Well, we would look at, you know, their relationships again, what is, you know, what is the, how do they, uh, what is the dialogue that they often say to themselves, you know, being honest without overanalyzing. You know, what, what is the, are they in a relationship, whether if it's personal or if with their family, with people they work with people, what are those relationships like? And, you know, oftentimes with the right questions, you can flush out if people are pleasers or enablers or people that constantly depend upon others for the, even the littlest things. So you can really determine where a person is codependent and often codependency is tied to people that are out of alignment in other areas of, of, of their wellness. So yeah. oftentimes that's how we're able to flush out that particular end of it and determining, you know, and a lot of times people who struggle in relationships, that is often the time, the case that they're codependent and they grew mm-hmm. up in a home where everything was done for them. You know, you know I had a client uh, five years ago, literally where he told me, and again, he allowed me to use his story. I just will not connect share his name, of course, where his mother literally tied his shoes up until the age of 14. I mean, he, mm. she did everything for her kids, but didn't allow them to take ownership of anything. She just did, 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 do, do, do. And obviously this had an effect on him as he grew up because he was always dependent upon others. He was complacent he never, he just did, did the bare minimum to get by. He, he'd been, he'd been in the same job for 20 years and never went up to the next level because he just, there was no initiative. He, there was no drive right. because of just growing up in, in, in a codependent way. And, and you could say that it wasn't really his fault, right? Because, you know, this is all he knew growing up. However, as we become adults, it doesn't matter what has happened to us at child. You, you could have went through a traumatic childhood. And no child asked for that. But nonetheless, as adults, it's still our responsibility. If where we are, and we don't like where we are, we have to take ownership to go within to solve the problem, to create the solution. No one can do that for you. Mm -hmm. A good coach like yourself, Stephanie, can be an example for them, can guide them, can show them the process, but it's still going to be up to them to go within, to do and implement this on their own to get out of their own way. Yeah. And, and oftentimes, again, uh, people don't 
as codependents, we don't see it that way. We just, we're, we're the victim, you know, it, it is right. what it is, but they reach a point where eventually they, they find out otherwise. And I know that personally, cause that was me as I was a codependent and I experienced it full end. I'm a recovering codependent mm-hmm. and I'm a recovering perfectionist and a recovering control freak. So I'll, yeah. I'll raise my hand to all three. So I learned a way that I was able to turn all those things around, but I had to get rid of the things that weren't serving me to develop a clean slate to, to put in place the right habits and dis- disciplines to change my thinking to create the life that, I, that I've been living now for 21 years. Yeah. And I think it was Jim Ron, maybe, who said you're, you're kind of the average of the, the five people that you spend the most time with. This yeah. is definitely something that if you're listening and you really should think on, this is something you should be looking yeah. at in the social pillar is- you know, yes. maybe, maybe the reason why you fail and your, your, you know, your nutrition goals is because you hang out with all these people who are just like, ah, oh, just eat the pizza. Who cares? You don't need to lose weight. You know, and they don't, they're not supporting your goals. They're not encouraging you. So that's just something to think about in the social area is not only your, you know, maybe previous traumatic relationships or codependent relationships, but also Maybe the people who you're spending time with yeah. right now who may not so be conducive to this specific goal you're going for. And you might have to take a break from some of those people. You do. I mean, and again, you could still be the example from them from afar. So you may be, sometimes we're married to someone like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we, you know, whatever the case may be, but again, but again, knowing when to put up boundaries. And that is the thing that oftentimes that people don't do a good job of doing. It's okay to put up boundaries to say no or when someone is their their behavior or their you know their their communication is you know impacting us in a negative way, we can put up a boundary, remove ourselves, and again, like you said, put ourselves around people in an, in an environment and other situations where it brings out that interdependency to thrive, and and so on. So that's something I had to do. I had to get away from the environments where there was drinking, because I I suffered for twelve years of addiction as a result of my self limiting beliefs. Cause that's the only way I knew how to escape it. I didn't know how to deal with my anger. It was the only way I could do it. And, and I had to undo all of those things, not only the addictions, but also to undo the lim, un, the, you know, remove the, the limiting beliefs, the need for validation. That was my limiting belief. And to, to know that I didn't need to be validated by anyone. Right. You know, I didn't get it from my father, but that's okay. My father couldn't give what he didn't have. My father was basically passing on the same thing that happened to him to me. And I would have done the same thing to my son. Thank God I didn't have my son when this all happened. He had it well after I had gone through this. So I, I was able to change the, 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 the cycle of this repeating itself in, in my family. So mm-hmm. I'm hoping knock on wood that again, it, you know, it all pans out for him as he becomes an adult. And so far it, it's showing that it's working. So we'll right. see how things come, go along. So emotional, um, <laughs> I know we kind of already talked a little bit in the social aspect of emotional. Um, this is when I joke about all the time is um, food is the only coping skill. Food and, and video time <laughs> is the only coping skill that <laughs> Americans have. Like you had a great day, food and, and sitting in front of the TV for two hours. Had a bad day, food and sit in front of the TV for four, three hours. That's it's a matter like, if it's good or bad. You're right. exactly right. It's, it's the only coping. <laughs> you open up the toolbox of coping skills and there's just that. That's it. And so that this is one I joke about all the time that this is a big one that I work on with my clients is 
you know, a lot of times emotionally we use food or getting off track with, with our, our goals as an excuse or a coping skill for, you know, name the emergency or emotional issue of the day, you know, cause there's always going to be one. And, you know, no matter what, we're always going to find some sort of reason, you know, oh, my I scuffed my shoe today, you know, like, oh, let's, let's come off plan. Yeah. There's always going to be a reason, you know, big, small to indifferent in the middle. So this is one of the emotional ones, but certainly, like you said, you know, definitely, you know, maybe getting with a therapist or a coach and identifying maybe some of those, um, you know, past relationships, past traumas, um, you know, and you made a great point there. You said therapist and coach, because there are, there are situations where both, are very good. I have a client that I work with right now that's that's seen has been with me now for a little while and working with a, a, a therapist because there's some really deep rooted things there. So now they're getting this person's getting a perspective more from a therapeutic uh, uh, perspective and then also a coaching perspective and it's been working pretty well as long as that we're communicating very effectively, which we are. I make sure that I ask a lot of questions to make sure I get. Uh, information that allows me now from that person to help him better, uh, you know, go moving forward. So this way, you know, they have two different perspectives of how we can process this stuff to, to make the changes necessary, what he's working on. Right. Right. And so physically what, I mean, other than doing your workouts and stuff, I mean, can, can you give an example of how somebody can address this pillar if they have a goal of, you know, losing 60 pounds, what, what, what are some physical things that they could do? Well, if we're looking at physical, I mean, again, it comes down to, again, you know, I, I mean, I'm a big believer in resistance training. I've been doing it since I was 18 years old. So even when I was going through a very difficult period, I was still working out. Uh, but I wasn't addressing this. So my other pillars were all off my, my physical was okay. But, but even then I had some issues obviously from, from the emotional side, but I would say some resistance training, you know, anything, you know, cardio yoga. Um, I meditate every day. I'm a firm believer that meditation and journaling are a great way to start off your day early in the morning. It gets you centered and focused. And if you like to work out in the morning, which I do, I work out very early, often at around five, five fifteen in the morning. I meditate and journal starting around four 20 in the morning. I wake up at four 15 and I do my meditation and journaling, then I go to the gym. Now, I'm not going to the gym seven days a week, but I do meditate and journal every day, seven days a week. I've been doing that for 21 years. I, I do resistance training for five times. So I would say that, again, for someone that's looking to reach, you're not going to do exactly what I just said, but ease your way into something that, again, that's going to allow you to release. And again, it's not about how much weight you're releasing. It's, again, that what are how are you fitting into your clothes? Are you, are you, have you lost a couple inches? So sometimes muscle, muscle weighs more than weight or fat. So it's not necessarily how much weight you release. It's, it's how you, how you look and feel in your clothes and how you feel here. So I, I I always tell people to approach it. Like, again, in the moment, don't be focused. Oh, I got to lose 30. I got to lose 30. Don't be, don't be getting on the scale every day. Just focus on what you can do get with a good uh, a coach in that particular area, a, a, a physical trainer, somebody that can help you that really understands not only the physical side, but also the emotional side as well, that can really be instrumental in helping you to achieve your goal, but keeping you on, on you know, in the moment 
doing what you can control just today and just mm-hmm. showing up today. Don't worry about yes. What's good. I would advise for the fifth. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Financial. And I, I'm glad we're talking about this. Um, you know, of course, if your finances are a mess, that's going to cause stress. It's going to affect every area of your life. But I think I'm going to flip the coin and also talk specifically about what your financial priorities are and how you're showing your priorities through where you spend your money. And I'm sure you hear this as a coach all the time. And so do I, and so do every single coach out there is, you know, people are resistant in investing in, in, you know, getting coaching. And, um, which is, I think is laughable because I think that the, the very first thing they could possibly do to show that they're actually, um, willing to change is to invest in coaching. The best investment you'll ever make is in you. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So, you know, I, you hear that all the time. Well, you know, oh, I, and it's, it's a lot of money and, you know, it's like, okay, well, Well, again, they're thinking about the short term. Yeah. They're thinking about short term. It's like, again, if, if, you know, if you're in debt, you are, you know, living paycheck to paycheck, but I can't afford, you know, a coach right now. Well, right now you're already in debt anyway. You're already living, but you know, if what you're doing each and every day is not improving the situation, what's going to, what's going to improve it? Is it, you're going to win the lottery? Well, even if it, you know, for temporarily got you out of that situation, most of the time, those people are going to go right back to the same old, same old and be right back to where they were, probably even worse off in a matter of time mm-hmm. if this hasn't changed. So when people really want to change, they'll find a way to make it work. You got to look at it as an investment again, because if you got with somebody that could really help you to understand where your limiting beliefs were coming from, what got you into this situation. And then, yes, it doesn't mean it's going to be easy for, th- for this time as you're going through this. But you're going to appreciate this time you went through this because when you do break through to the other side of getting yourself out of debt, not living paycheck to paycheck, developing a, a tolerance to be more, taking more calculated risks to invest in things that will get your money working for you rather than against you, that, that you're going to look back and be more grateful and humble of where you were and where you are today and to be the example for others. So I'm, I would always say, even in your, in your most difficult times, that would be the, and even if you don't have a, any money that if you, that would be the ultimate time to do it. You'll find a way I've seen people. Well, yes, you might have to go into a little bit more debt because you're already there anyway. Mm-hmm. But, but again, I, you know, I'm not saying you go do that and, and not, you know, keep your lights on or your heat on. Okay. That, that, you know, that I can understand that, but knowing that, that within reason, you should not be afraid to invest in yourself because you're only doing yourself a disservice. Exactly. Just make sure that you're working with a coach that has been vetted, they, they, they have a good track record, and that you, you feel good about that there's some shared values that you can they feel that you can feel that they relate to you and they feel that they understand you. That's important. Just because they're they got a great track record, but if you don't feel that that connection then don't, don't, you know, go to someone else. So you feel, you go with the person you feel that you can connect with, but make sure that again, that they have the credentials and, and obviously that the, that, you know, they, you know, they got a good track record and those are the people that can really help you to help yourself, you know, Mm -hmm. be the example. Yeah. 
And yeah, I used to, um, when I did military mental health, um, we would get that complaint all the time from uninsured uh, uh, veterans who needed mental health services and, you know, say, oh, well, I can't afford it. And I'd be like, oh, is that the new iPhone? Oh, yeah, really? exactly. These are really yeah. nice shoes you're wearing. How much do those cost? Looks so, like you, you yeah. looks like you got a that help. It looks like you, you just bought that car a year ago. Yeah. yeah. Oh, didn't you just didn't you mention you just went on a vacation? Like, you know, yeah. it's and it's like you know, I'm I'm kind of calling you out here. You don't really Prior, want help. priorities. Right. Priorities. You're putting your money towards your priorities. This is obviously not a priority to you. So let's just be real and just say it. You know, let's just say it out loud. You don't want to lose the damn sixty pounds. You're not going to put the money into it. But if you really are willing to change, you're going to invest and you're going to find a way to to get it done and to pay for some help to get there for sure. Yeah, they they may want to, and want means that I I I like to lose the weight, but I'm not committed to do my part and be consistent. To do the work, right? Do it. But if you can wave a magic wand and make it go away, I'm all for it. Right. They'd empty their bank account. <laughs> if, you, if I didn't have to do any work, sure. <laughs> I, I will do it. I will means <laughs> that I am committed and I know it's not going to happen overnight. And so again, it's the words, it's the, it, it's the actions, the behavior. And again, I always firmly believe that, you know, sometimes they, people have to hit rock bottom or reach a point here first before they, and they start working on this to then work the physical side, the financial side, right. the spiritual side, the, uh, you know, the intellectual, occupational, and so on. So, you know, motion is so important part of this equation. You know, I always, I always say that, you know, it's kind of the central point, the foundation where things start and, that, and things all revolve around that. And mm -hmm. exercising and physically taking care of yourself will help to maintain this as well. So, it, you know, I know for me, working out is a form, in another way, a form of meditation. You know, it's just... Mm -hmm. Just, I feel good after a workout when I've been moving my body, especially if I'm doing some resistance training. I just feel a lot better after a workout. Yeah. And um, I, I, the next one I, I love, and I know I don't think it's talked about often enough. And you already mentioned meditation and, and journaling, which is a part of the spiritual, working on that spiritual pillar. I did an interview with my favorite army chaplain. And um, he, I quote him all the time now because he just said it so eloquently. Um, he, he said, you know, if you're, you're not at ease spiritually, you're at disease spiritually yes. and yes. a disease is going to fester unless you are actually treating it and working on it. So, um, that's how he described, you know, the, you know, spiritual wellness and how this is a process. And if you are uh, not at ease, it doesn't matter what faith you have, or if you have no faith at all, there's still a way to work on your spiritual side. Yes. And I always, like I said, when I brought up about, you know, it, it doesn't matter if you're religious or spiritual or what religion, whatever. It's great, you know, you gravitate what, what makes what, what brings you peace and, and harmony, but knowing that you can't just rely 100% on your faith. Faith and energy, the universe, require you to do your part. It's like with anything, yin or yang, you got to do your part. That's just meaning that you got to find some level of belief, even if you don't have it yet, even if you got to fake it till you make it, you know, find a way to find something you believe in to do your part. That's where discipline comes in because you may not want to do it or it might feel uncomfortable, but you do it anyway. And mm -hmm. discipline is, you know, and consistency 
are the two things that will get you out of your comfort zone each and every day to do the things that over time, when they do become more routine, now it becomes more intrinsic motivation. You don't, maybe you don't have to rely upon the discipline in the, as much because you're already intrinsically motivating yourself to do it on autopilot. But in the beginning, it doesn't work that way. And habits may form in three weeks, but they don't become embedded and forged in, the, in your mindset for you know six months to a year it can take. I mean, it, yeah. it, it, it takes time. That's why I, I'm a big believer in discipline and consistency with habits and disciplines that will serve you rather than uh, work against you. Yeah, exactly. And uh, intellectual, this is huge. Um, yeah. You know, there is, there is a knowledge base that, that you have to continue to work on. It's unfortunate that so many people just graduate from college and they never read a book ever again. You know, all the yeah. reading that they do is scrolling through Facebook. You know, it's like you, you have to expand your knowledge base, especially if you have a goal, you know, you need to do a little research, read some perspectives on that specific topic, find the school of thought that works for you and your situation, you know, learn from the masters in these areas of, you know, so I think we, we just get so closed off and just go off of, you know, what we saw on Facebook or the, or the trend you know, what's the trend right now in dieting or, or fitness, you know, you know, yesterday was CrossFit. Now it's it. you know, it's like, <laughs> you, you know, just because everybody's doing it doesn't mean that's the right solution for you. So you need to educate yourself a little bit, do some research, do some reading, talk to some experts to, to find the right um, equation for your situation. And this Absolutely. does require some intellectual research and, and to work on this pillar. No, it, it's true. And, and part of intellectual and uh, uh, wellness is also not only the intellectual intelligence itself, right? That's something that's tangible, right? You can see it, you can, it, it, you can read it. It, it. It's a fact, it's a trend, it's a stat, whatever it may be. That's important, but it's also factoring in that, that blind faith again. That's the spiritual side of, of, the, of intellectual wellness. And that's EQ, emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. It's knowing that again, you got to you got to trust your intuition, your inner being, and again, that when you feel good around someone, you know, again, don't allow your head, your inner critic, to say, "Well, you can't afford this. They can't really help us." But I still feel good around them. I just feel like, on some level, I trust them. I, and but yet, you're trying to talk your way out of it. That again is EQ telling you that that this person is in alignment in some way that can help you to help yourself, but you have to surrender and allow yourself to be open for, you know, help. You know, receive without resistance. I always like to say, give without expectation, receive without resistance. You are now in receive mode. You can't give anything at this point because you have nothing to give. You are in. You are here to receive right now without resistance. So that when you do go through this, you can now give it, give it through your example without expectation, allow someone else to receive. Yeah. So yeah. I think it's so important that you pointed that out about uh, intellectual. That's another factor in it as well. Yeah. Yeah. And then I love envir the environmental thing. I'm so, this goes along <laughs> with the discipline. Um, I, you know, I don't think, I, I can't remember who it was. I think it was Tim Ferriss or Tony Robbins or somebody who, who said, you know, if you're, if one of your goals is to work out every day, wake up and put on your damn gym clothes. So, and do not remove them until you work out, 
you know, yeah. that's like the rule. So I am, I'm huge in structuring your environment to support your goals. So if your goal is to not eat junk food, why the hell do you have pantries full of junk food? Yep. You know, so it's, it's that incongruence, you know, in psychology, that's what we call incongruence. You know, you're saying you want this, but your behavior tells differently. Exactly. So it, I think setting up your environment to support your goals is such a huge thing to do. And most people don't ever work on this area, this pillar. No, they don't. They don't. That's why out of the eight pillars, that's why often E is often the last because no one really considers it and takes it into concern. But it's so funny that you brought that up because I, I usually emphasize it, even though it's not considered the, the top four of the four pillars, that would be, you know, again, emotional, uh, physical, uh, spiritual, and financial, or sometimes people could say social, but usually it's those four. But environmental is so important because it's, it's again, everything around us. It's, again, that can even be people that we're with, right? You know, mm -hmm. I mean, that's social too. Again, people, if we're codependent around codependent people, yes. But oftentimes that it could be, you know, it, that, that, that environmental and social codependency can be hand in hand because you could be with someone who's also cluttered and, you know, you know it got disorganized. And that can impact you in a, in, a, in a way, too, because that affects you where you live and where you operate. So, again, you can't control another person and what they're doing, but you can control your end of it. And that's where we can be responsible doing what we can to make sure that we find some organization. You know, and it's, a, it's a just one step at a time. It doesn't mean it has to happen overnight. One step at a time. And when I talked about the doctor as the example, we, you know, he finally got it and was able to make some changes over time to start making improvements in that area to kind of, uh, you know, get more clarity, you know, which he was lacking at that time. Right. Right. And, you know, it, but it, it's also so very simple too, if you really think about it, you know, you don't tell an addict like to go to the bar and just hang out, you know, and have sparkling water. Oh, you'll just have a Coke. You know, we don't tell them to do, you know, because we understand how important the environment, you know, plays a role in our decisions and our behaviors and our habits and addictions and our, you know, so why do we, you know, so why do we do that to ourselves? We self-sabotage a lot when we have self-sabotage. Yeah. It's limiting. Again, it's the limiting belief. It's like, I, you know, I, I struggled with 12 years of uh, sexual uh, alcohol and drug addiction. Uh, I wouldn't say that I was addicted, like it, like chemically dependent upon drugs and alcohol. I had a strong sexual addiction. I, that was, that was most, it was, it was like shooting heroin to me. Mm -hmm. And, but, but the, the alcohol and drugs were just an escape. But what was the real underlying addiction here was my, my limiting belief. That was the need for validation. I had this strong need to be validated. If I didn't get validated, I would get angry and aggressive and I would sabotage every relationship I got into, whether if it was personal, whether if it was work related, family, I would, I could, I could start strong and then I would crash and then I'd start, start all over again, do the, it was a, just a cycle of, of rise and fall. And, mm -hmm. and I had, you know, and I, I was the victim. That's how, what a co-pendent is. We're victims. It's your fault, not mine. So I finally, the turning point for me was when my father was dying of cancer at the age of 56, you know, and in hindsight, it was my dad's own limiting beliefs that I believe that manifested itself into cancer because he had a lot of emotional demons that he never addressed. And, but it was like, he gave me the greatest gift the day before he died because he couldn't talk. But in essence, it was like him telling me that if I could do it different, 
I wouldn't have chose the life that I did in sacrificing your mother and you and your, your brother. And that was when the light bulb went off and said that I have to be responsible mm-hmm. for this. Mm-hmm. So in a way, my dad's passing was also the turning point in my life that I've never looked back since then. I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't know how I was going to go about making this change. I just knew that that was the first time that I said, I can't be pointing the finger at anybody more. It's, it, it, this is on me. No yeah. matter what has happened, regardless if I asked for it or not, it's still my responsibility. Yeah. And, and that's when my life began to change over time. And, and where I am today, you know, is a, you know, an expert in this area and, and, you know, and leading by example, and I'm a work in progress, just like everyone else. So it's not like, Hey, I did this for a period of time. Now I don't, you know, I can just talk about it and tell you what to No, I have to be, I practice and I, and I'm, you know, I'm progress in motion every day. And, uh, you know, and I have, you know, if I'm going to be the example for others, I got to constantly be doing this to help myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's a journey, right? It's yes, never it over. <laughs> no destination. There, right. It's exactly. all it's progress in motion. It's a journey that until, you know, whenever we leave this world, you know, that's the way I look at it. <laughs> exactly. So other than purchasing your book, Master Your Inner Critic, Resolve the Root Cause, Create Prosperity, how can our listeners um, get help from you or, or get some more information about this? Sure. I, I, feel free to reach out to me. You can reach out to me on LinkedIn. You can check out my website at uh, ChristopherSalem.com. That's C-H-R-I-S-T-O-P-H-E-R. Salem, S-A-L-E-M.com. Or send me an email at Chris at ChristopherSalem.com. There's no obligation. I'd be more than happy. I'd just like to get to know you and what you're up to, where you are, where you like to be. And if there's something I can do to point you in the right direction with any you know, advice, any insight, I'd be happy to do so. And if there's something you know, more required, I'll be happy to give you some ideas and recommendations how I could help. Thank you so much, Chris. This has been a great discussion. Thank you so much, Stephanie, for having me. It's been a pleasure to be here. Thanks for joining us on another episode of the Warrior Wellness Podcast. Make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or Spotify and leave us a review while you're there. If you send us a screenshot of your review and your name and mailing address to info at fireteamwhiskey.com, we will send you a little thank you gift for leaving us a review. Until next time.